0: I'm going to say just a couple of comments before we get started. Uh, I want to kind of set the, the big picture for us here. We've we've been in this series called the Spirit Filled Church. And our first topic in the Spirit Filled Church was worship. A spirit-filled church is a church that worships. You know, it's a church that loves God and worships God and praises God and sings to Him. Filled with His Spirit, we sing. We just can't help it. And this morning, we're going to be the end of this first part on worship. And last week, I shared with you a definition of worship, which was to honor someone with extravagant love and extreme obedience. And last week, I tried to emphasize that from, from Romans 12, 1 and 2, this complete surrender, this, this utter and complete abandonment of ourselves to god this utter and complete obedience to god giving ourselves to him as a living sacrifice and we're going to end with more of the idea of worship as extreme love worship is showing extreme love to jesus and i asked david to share on this for a couple of reasons one josh was traveling and gone this week and uh, instead of me teaching a couple of weeks in a row but more importantly i feel like in david's heart is a real genuine love for Jesus, and it just comes out. You see it, you feel it, you sense it. So I just wanted him to, uh, to be the one to share this final message here with us on the Spirit-filled church, a church that, church that worships, and we sh- part of the way that we show that worship is through extravagant love. David?
1: Like Reed said, uh, we're going to be talking about worship. Uh, this this text was actually pretty challenging for me because uh, w- we like to think of worship as church, showing up at the church, hearing the word, listening, worship, praising God. But it it really, really, really goes way beyond that, and and we're we're doing ourselves and God a disservice. It's it's to permeate our entire being. We are to be worshipers of God. You know, so let's 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 set the let's we'll set the table here. Uh, let, let's get the context of this. Uh, the, the context is Matthew six one. So if we want to, if you've got your Bibles, I'm bad about bringing my Bible a lot of times too, because I just rely on the the bulletin. Funny how this was someplace else when I left this morning, and now it's in Kings. <laughs> so bear with me a second. Let me get to Matthew 26, and I'll read it here. And when Jesus has finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, this is the ESV, you know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the place, the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. Uh, this, this setting is just a few days before Jesus is crucified. Jesus' haters are plotting. Jesus has, the previous Sunday, just, it was Palm Sunday. uh, He came into town pretty much as the Messiah. He came into town. People were worshiping him. Hosanna to the Son of David. The Pharisees are saying, make them be quiet. And Jesus says, "If if they are silent, the very stones will cry out. So he is welcomed and worshipped by the crowds on the way in. The Pharisees, they're desperate. They're going, we have to kill him. We have to kill him. Look at the crowds. This is not going to end well for us. They're, they're worried about their positions. They're worried about the Romans. They're worried about this life. They're worried about being in spiritual, spiritual authority. And Jesus knows these men are plotting. He knows what's going on. So he's under a lot of pressure. So Jesus is at the home of, in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper. And he's probably eating, maybe talking. And in comes this woman. The scriptures don't name her, she just comes in, takes this alabaster. It's not like the bottles today where you screw off the lids. He breaks the flask on him, and all this ointment falls goes all over him. And this ointment is incredibly expensive. Uh, it's, in Mark, it says 300 denarii. Now, 300 den, one denarii, if you were a working man, is what you made each day. So, 300 denarii, this is worth more than that, it's a year's wages. So this is a huge sum of money. It's like she spent 25, dollars $30,000 on this. And she just breaks it and, put, and dumps it on his head as he's sitting. No introduction. It doesn't. She just comes in. The scriptures don't even give her name. So she's not even probably one of the close followers of Jesus because a few days earlier, Mary poured ointment on him. And she was named and Jesus also said that was for my burial so he does it twice this act of love and worship was so extravagant so over the top that no one but Jesus approved of it everyone else condemned this act for its extravagance and over the top wastefulness Jesus' own disciples they're they're not just angry They're indignant. They're they're very angry about it. Why were these men who were walking every day with Jesus, they were next to Jesus, why were they so out of touch with what Jesus thought was a wonderful act of worship? Now, we've seen these guys be out of touch before. (laughs) But think about that. These weren't the men who were plotting to kill him. These weren't the Pharisees, the Sadducees. These weren't the, the guys that were making these, these evil schemes. These were the guys that were his friends. These were the guys that loved him as much as they could. This act showed a level of devotion and love for Jesus that most will not understand or even appreciate. This is, this, is uh, this devotion and love for Jesus that brought this act of worship is something that God, God desires for all believers to walk in. It is a love for God that causes us to forsake everything else and act out of that love, doing the will of God. It's the kind of love for Jesus that is so strong that all other affections are like hatred in comparison to it. Like the scripture where Jesus says, If any man hate not his father, his mother, his sister... In comparison to me, he's not worthy of me. So that tells us that this is the kind of love we are to have. This kind of love caused this woman to give the best she had. She saw in Jesus someone worthy of all worship. Worship is what God created us to do. And it's not just walking around. And it is this, walking around worshipping God in your heart and mind. It's 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 a life of worship. It's a, it's it's submitting yourself to what the word says how we're supposed to live. It's conforming your family to that. It's submitting your whole being to it. In heaven, worship is continually going on in God's presence. The angels are saying holy, holy, holy. The 4 and 20 elders are bowing down before the throne. We have regulated worship to a service in a church or in, or singing praise songs. And it is that. But it's far more. Our worship is what our entire life needs to be. And we will not be happy in Jesus until it is. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to read read a hymn. You know, it's these old hymns it says take this is take my life and let it be consecrated. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee, swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee, filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Every power as thou shalt choose. Take my love, my Lord. I pour it at thy feet, its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Ever only all for thee. Take my will and make it thine. It shall shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. It shall be thy royal throne. I think that, that really sums it up. But I'm not done. <laughs> but that, that is your whole being your, your resources, your, your intellect, your voice, your hands. That's everything. God's plan for us is a life walking in the Spirit, a life of fellowship and worship of him, a life of nearness to his heart. God said of David, he is a man after my own heart. Let's go back to the disciples. There's, 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 just, there's three people, in the, there's three groups of people in this story. There's the woman whose heart is near to God. There's the disciples who are near God but following him kind of from a distance. And then there's, there's the haters. And we already know about the haters. But I think most of the people here, we're in the, one, of, one of the first two categories. We're either we're near to God we're kind of following him from afar or we're, partake, we're trying to enter into you know that's our, our goal is to just completely worship God with our whole being and none of us are there yet so this is not anything condemning at all this is exhortation the disciples totally missed and what what was really happening spiritually because they were, I think they were, might have been caught up in the moment. They were caught up in Palm Sunday and all the excitement. And then Jesus driving the money, change, driving, cleaning the temple out. And all these things were happening. And they're probably sitting there in Bethany going, wow, this is amazing. Wow, what's going to happen next? And Jesus is telling them, and, sent, and this woman comes, this is the second time, with, with, with this expensive ointment. They say, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried in two days. And they don't hear him. It doesn't go in. They were out of touch with what God was doing and saying They were only looking with their natural eyes. Their hearts were not near to God. Not only were they not near God, they fought with God. The, the parallel passage in Mark says that they scolded this woman. They just didn't, she didn't just come in and put the ointment on and they go, why did she do that? And they talk about her behind her back. They got in her face. Some of these guys got in her face and scolded her for what she did. That's convicting. How many times have we done stuff like that? Where we kind of, we aren't really that close to God and we were, maybe we we're criticizing people in the church or, you know, we just don't, we're just not in tune with what God is really doing. Our heart is, is not near God's. They even made themselves sound spiritual. We do this. (laughs) Uh, They were worried about the poor people that they could have fed with that money. Of course, we know from this other passage earlier, I mean, Judas is there, and he just wants it for his pocket. But But the other disciples were along with him. It says the disciples. So it wasn't just Judas here. Sometimes we have a you know we kind of have a fake spirituality about us we we're we're right and they were right but they were also they were wrong at the same time really wrong they were right about that was a waste of money if it had not been god's will but it was god's will wasn't it how often have we been distracted by other things and been blind are we living near to the heart of god or are we merely following Jesus from a distance? I know a lot of Christianity, the way it's preached now, it's a, pretty, it's, a, it's a pretty loose Christianity. You know, it's pretty much fire insurance or a ticket in your pocket to heaven kind of Christianity where you're not really near, living that near to God. You're not living a holy life. You're not giving your all to Jesus. We can follow God, but not be living in close fellowship with Him. I'm, I'm guilty of, the, I'm guilty of it myself. I mean, we, we start coasting, and pretty soon we're, we're not near His heart. Today being Palm, today's Palm Sunday and, and, that's a, and Palm Sunday is a perfect example. The crowds are welcoming Jesus. He's the king. They're ecstatic. They're throwing their coats and waving palm branches and Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David. By the end of the week, those people melted away. They weren't there. They say, no, don't crucify him. They either weren't there or they kept their mouth shut or they joined in the chorus of crucify him. When God didn't do it they wanted. He wasn't the the king that was coming. He wasn't the king that was going to set up his earthly rule then. He was the king that was coming to die. He was the lamb of God that was going to take away the sin of the world. But they wanted what, when he didn't do what they wanted they no longer worshipped him, did they? How often are we like that? When God is doing something in our life that we don't understand or is hard do we stop worshiping him do we back up do we I do I, I, it's a real temptation to it's a real t- you have I mean it is a real temptation I mean sometimes I feel like I'm more like the disciples than before Acts a lot of times Jesus rebukes his disciples so Jesus sees what happens He says, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. I like what the ESV says. It says, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Jesus is facing the cross in a couple days. And he's under, you think you're under pressure. Think about the kind of pressure he was under. You know, we have never yet resisted to the shedding of blood, resisting sin. In a a day or a half, he's going to be in the garden sweating great drops of blood in prayer. An angel is going to come and touch him to strengthen him. This pressure is building, and this woman refreshes him. I think this act of love and worship encouraged Jesus. He's soon going to be facing his adversaries face to face. I'm not a person who likes confrontation. I get nervous at work just telling my, the guys that work for me even small things that they're doing wrong or that need, they need to change. He was going to be facing these men who hated him to their face. And he had all power in heaven and earth, and he was going to be like a lamb to the slaughter, who is dumb and shuts his mouth. He's not going to say anything to him. He's going to take it. He's going to take all the abuse to the, to their face. They're going to spit in his face. They're going to pull out his beard. Two days. It's coming. And she's anointing him for his burial. Jesus says, "She has done a beautiful thing to me." If you have, if you have the Bible again, uh, just right up from Matthew twenty six, it's the it's the final judgment. The point I'm trying to make here is we worship God in our actions. That was an action that woman did. She just did what she. she had love in her heart, she just went and did what God was leading her to do. And she did it, even though it was costly. Matthew 26, verse 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, now if you're old like me, uh, you think of the Keith Green song here, but <laughs> but <laughs> the sheep and the goats song. Uh, when, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Just like the woman, she did it to Jesus. And Jesus is in heaven right now, but we are his body. We are his body. We need to remember that. We're part of him. The things we do to each other, we're doing to him. Whether they're good or bad. These people, he separated them based on what they did. Now, it was it was what was in their heart that caused them to do what they did. So this isn't a works salvation. But in the final judgment, he's separating them based on their actions, isn't he? Because what we believe causes us to act. And if our belief doesn't cause us to act, maybe our we don't believe. Faith without works is dead, James said. This salvation is real, and Jesus is real, and the Holy Spirit is real living in us, and that Holy Spirit produces fruit. And that fruit is real fruit. It's not I feel good. It produces real tangible fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, Self, long suffering, self control—all these things—they're fruit. Those are not emotions. They—they produce results. Something you can see. It's something that's acted out. How shall all men know that you are my disciples? By the love you show to one another. That—that's the love we're talking about. It's a love. That acts. This is something that kind of hit me when I was reading that passage. Do you realize everyone sitting here will experience what I just read? Do you realize you're going to be, you are going to see this happen? And we're going to be on the right or the left. We will be there for this. I mean, it's, it's easy to read the Bible like a textbook. Our storybook, but you and I, everyone here, is going to be there for this. They're going to see Jesus say, "Come, thou blessed of my Father." And he's going to—you're going to see him also say to to the goats. He's going to say, "Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels." We're going to witness that. It's hard to get your mind around that, but we are going to witness that, and and that that alone ought to motivate us. Verse eleven says, "For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring out ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial." Jesus wasn't making light of the needs of the poor, but he's pointing out God's higher purpose in this act of worship, his impending death and burial. God's purposes and plans in our lives are not usually evident, they're often hidden. We don't always know the reason for what God is doing in our lives at each juncture. We must continue to be faithful without that knowledge. As the song says, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. There are lasting and eternal consequences for us. This is why it's important to, become a, a, to come near to God's heart. This is another reason why it's, it's important important to, to, to be a worshiper of God. Because these things not only do they affect us, they affect everyone around us. Our husbands, our wives, our children, our neighbors, our friends, our, our fellow, fellow believers, unbelievers. We're not in a vacuum, you know. I I like to think the things I do in secret don't affect anybody else. They do. They affect my nearness to God, and when I'm not near God, I'm going to miss stuff, and I'm not going to act like I should, and I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not going to be what I should. Verse 13 says, Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has, has done will also be told in memory of her. This, this prophecy of Jesus was fulfilled again today as I'm speaking. If you think about that. However, other, there's other people's story that got told again too. It's the disciples' story got told again. Their folly and hardness of heart was also seen again today. I like the the Bible because it's really real. It doesn't sugarcoat anything. It gives you the... Even the guys like Peter and and James and all these, these guys, John... It mentions things they did wrong, too, doesn't it? It doesn't just say the good things that they did. Their folly and hardness of heart. That should give us hope. Because look what those guys did after Pentecost. They were the guys that didn't know what was going on. And then Jesus died and rose again. This life is a test. And that's the conclusion I've come to. <laughs> and and it, it all makes sense with that. Will we be a worshiper of the living God or not? In, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of the family we were born into, in spite of the job we have, in spite of our financial situation, in spite of what's coming tomorrow. Will we be a worshiper of the living God or not? Will we be good and faithful servants or not? This is is another hard one. I, I have a hard time getting my mind around. The things we're doing now have consequences for eternity. The decisions we're making now have consequences forever. I mean... You know, we like to think, you know, I'm going to die someday. And what I did here doesn't really carry forward to the next life. But it really does. It really does. The people we affected, the glory we brought to God, we just can't see it. So we think it's not there. If we realized, if we... If we realized what was over yonder, we'd live a lot different. We'd act a lot different. Our priorities would be a lot different. I mean, there's consequences in this life, the decisions we're making with people, that they carry forward. Those rewards we get in heaven aren't till we die. Like money we might accumulate here or the fame or anything we accumulate here. they are. We get to keep them. We get to keep those things. Everything you've got, the house you've got now, you're renting. The car you've got now, you're, it's, it's temporary. Yeah, all the stuff we've got is temporary. This body. It's getting a little run, more run down every day, but it, it's temporary, isn't it? Should the Lord tarry, our lives will either be a blessing or a hindrance to future generations. I mean you see this I mean in families I know I, I've done some foster care we have other people that have done foster care you see these gener- these things generationally these people have just continued their kids do drugs and these things happen and you see in christian families with faith you know faith, faithful if you're faithful your kids are probably going to be faithful not always John, John 4.23 says, 23 and 24, But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth God is seeking us to worship him in a certain way and everything any other worship isn't real worship God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth me, that's, that's everything. That's your, that's your whole being, isn't it? You're, you're in spirit and in truth. That's, that's not easy to do, is it? But he is, the good thing is he is seeking you to do that. And I know this message is heavy. But I want to encourage you. He wants you to worship him more than you want to worship him. He wants wants you more than you want him. He loves us, and he's provided the way to do it through his son. Jesus, who died, now glorified, king of all kings. And he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. To rejoice is blessed are your ears for they hear and your names are written in heaven